well, as you know, it's, it's an important thing to realize church is about doing life together. So these things are there to build relationship. You know, so many times over the years, we've watched people come and they sort of sneak in the back door, come, you know, for worship and they leave immediately. And unfortunately, you can't really get into what the biblical word, the term, terminology is koinonia. Fellowship is actually a very, very powerful thing. It's where iron sharpens iron. It's where we depend on, we get to know one another and we get to, to be part of one another. And it is risky. It's risky because relationships are risky. This is a family, and in any family, there, you, have to be, you have to put yourself out there. And so all our leaders, we want you to know that you, you, you don't have to just jump in and go and bear your soul, but get to know people. Get to, get to, get to know people. Build up a safe environment. Get to, get to know people and be known, because that is such a key place of being strong. You, you are not it. I am not it. We need one another. Amen. And so that's why we facilitate and we, life groups are just such a key piece. And there are so many places that you can either grow or get these studies or have fun together, etc., etc. So it's just a key, key thing. Awesome. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you what, I got a text from Dave, our missing cello player. who, who he, he's, he's, he's up in Tennessee and he's watching. Hey, Dave. Everybody say, hey, Dave. <laughs> he says he got the cello out and he was playing with the, with the team. <laughs> so, so, team, you know you're, you will play it. <laughs> Kyle says you'll be back, Dave. So, there you go. I'll take that. Um, I do also want to mention a couple things. Men's breakfast is coming up second Saturday. Um, food, and we have a bit of fellowship. It's between 8 and about 9.30. We're done. Um, so, you've got the whole day Saturday still to do stuff but really one of those opportunities to, to connect that's the second Saturday of every month it'll be May the 14th um, also because it's of it, it's it's time sensitive our mission trip we have a mission trip a team going to Costa Rica uh, with Dr. David Furking and Dave our cello player is going to be second in charge you don't, may not know that but he's gonna he's a they are both experienced team leaders and um, they are going to be going to leading the team to Costa Rica at the end of July because it's coming up. I mean, we've got a couple of months here, three months or so before they leave, and they do need to get um, um, a deposit of I think it's three hundred dollars, a minimum deposit, and they has time sensitive by May the first. Please, if you're interested, get a deposit down. Speak to Dr. Dave, and and uh, and if you don't, if you're interested in joining the team, there is still time to do that. Just text the word missions to our texting church number, which is three five two. 441, like the road, 441, 3016, like John 3016, John 3016, okay, that's the easy way I remember. Also, um, because we don't do paper bulletins, if you're new here and you uh, may have come to our Easter service last week and we just, just know that you're welcome, T already spoke about the cup and the stuff, the info in, in, in the mug and so on, but it, the way you get a digital bulletin or access to Our stuff, we put everything online. You can access that place by just texting the word LOOP, L-O-O-P, LOOP, to the same number, 352-441-3016. And there's cards back there, it's the same, same thing. But if you text that word, you will be put in the loop. And then what that does, it doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm you with information. When something new comes on the schedule, it puts it up there once that you'll get a text on, on, in your, on your phone that says, hey, this is happening. But it's the same place that it will send you to a web. It's got a web link and on our web link, it's got everything that's upcoming. Okay. So it's a digital version. You don't have to, um, we don't have to have it printed on 100% virgin pine every time. Okay. So 
Um, but then, um, and then of course, Healing University, as always, Sunday afternoons, 5 p.m. right here. It's powerful, powerful time. If you want to learn how to be a, um, how to be a, a, a messenger, a, a minister of healing, or whether you're looking for physical healing in your body, um, this is a great opportunity. We have uh, Keith and Sue. Um, Keith, thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit. You know, some of you may not know the operation of the Spirit this way. And so, you know, that's okay. If, you're, if it's unfamiliar business, you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, they, you know, Peter got up and said, hey, listen, these people aren't drunk, as you might think. Just so you know. So we can quote Peter and say, these people aren't drunk, as you suppose. You know, um, they, but they are just full of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how even in, in Ephesians, it's being compared, being filled with the Holy Spirit is being compared to alcohol. Even there, it says, do not be drunk on wine, wherein there is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a, there is a similarity. You know, sometimes you can trade out the alcohol for some Holy Ghost and you're going to get way better and it's got no hangovers and everything else like that. So, so um, but no, you can, you can enjoy, you can enjoy some, some spiritual enriching, enriching and like, like uh, refreshing like, like Keith was um, encouraging us to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, as you know, we had Easter last Sunday. Um, I love, I love, love, love Easter time. And um, as you know... <laughs> The celebration of Jesus' death and what he did and accomplished and his death, burial, resurrection. If you weren't here last Sunday, I encourage you, go and watch the video. Download the audio if you're a podcast person or whatever the case is. Listen to it because there is so much great content in that, uh, in that service, really. Um, because it's, we, that's our, our founding place is the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is what, what we feed on, and it is our foundation for everything, what, and it is a finished work. And we, we touched on that last week, and I'm not going to um, talk about it, but, but my title last week was Taste and See. Taste and See in God. you experiencing God. God is gooder than we can imagine. Taste and see that God is good. He is so good. People don't know how good God is. People, there's a lot of religious ideas that God is mean and angry and judgmental and so on. And they, they have shied away from God. They've fallen and they've, they've missed the boat or they've, and they feel like God's out to get him. And that is not the case. It's not the person and character of God. And, and unfortunately, we can't teach the whole of the counsel of God in just five minutes. But, but if you stick around here, we're on a journey. I want to encourage you. We are on a journey. And when it comes to when the Lord shares something to give me, I, I, I give to, to minister to you just so that you know, this isn't random messages I get from sermons.com. I don't like, wait, oh gosh, I need a message. You know, I, I don't go to sermons.com and get, I, I have, I've got lots of messages that I can download, but I tell you what, I spend a lot of time waiting on God to hear what God is saying, because I believe God has had us on a journey for a while. And I, and I, and I found this. I found this, that sometimes, you know how um, I didn't have a spiritual appearing, a physical appearing in my eye, or like, like you see happened to Paul once when an angel appeared to him and said, don't go into the city, but go over here later on. He, he said, but I can tell you sometimes I've actually felt the Holy Spirit put a stop on something, a leading that he told me earlier on, this is where I want to take Lake Haven. And then suddenly I feel like, hmm, not yet. 
And I was like, what is up with that? I, this, why not yet? And I felt the Lord say, not ready. And I'm like, okay. And there's places that we can go and we can go as a congregation and there's places we can't go. I, and, you know, I was reminded, some of you know because I've shared this thing. I, years and years ago, there was a minister, um, a well-known minister, who said something to that effect. He said, I, I, the Lord has shown me certain things. And I was a Bible class student years ago. And he said that. He said, the Lord has shown me things that I don't have permission to share yet. And I was like, what? What is up with that? You know, of course. And, and I, didn't get, I didn't understand it. But I'm having a glimpse of understanding now. It's not about God trying to keep secrets from us. It's about us being in a place where we're able to receive from it. Because sometimes some things are too meaty or too difficult. And because we're not well-founded or we're not established there, it was not going to go over or be received like it needs to be. So listen, God's always got your interest in mind. Always. He is the most loving father ever. He has your interest in mind. He wants to take you on a journey. But guess what? You have to go on the journey. If you say, uh, and, and you just don't, that's okay. God still loves you. His love will never change towards you. But you can't enjoy all the benefits that are yours by grace if you're not willing to walk on the journey. Does that make sense? So, so if you want more of the experience of God, then just stay hooked up. Stay hooked up. Follow, follow the message. I tell you so many times, as, and some of you who are regulars know, that I will be following a series. You know, how many of you like a good mystery? You like a good mystery. You mean, um, I know that Ken Bernard, one of the actors, and he's been a director in, the, in most recent years, he's, re, he's redone a couple of the Agatha Christie classics, like Murder on the Orient Express. I don't know how many of you watched the new version of Murder on the Orient Express a, a couple years ago, and then he recently released um, uh, same, same concept, the same, uh, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the same actors he did, Death on the Nile, another famous Agatha Christie movie, that he is rehashed. But the thing with a mystery or a whodunit is that, you know what, if you walked into the movie theater or sat down while your, while your family was watching it and you were halfway through the movie or three quarters of the way movie, or you just simply walked in at different stages, you would not get a clue. I love watching those things because I know in those movies, every piece has got something to do. So I'm figuring out, I'm going to guess whodunit. You know, I, so I love watching the mystery, you know, and, and so I know whenever there's a, some random camera angle or there's some little random fact that doesn't seem connected, I'm trying to act like Hercule Perot, you know, and trying like, hmm, what is this going to do and try and figure out. But you see, the, the problem is if you, don't, if you don't stay connected or you don't make, an issue, you don't make a priority of, of, of staying connected where God's taking us, you end up with parts one, four, seven. And then you try and figure out why nothing works in your life. This doesn't work. Well, I've come to church the last two months. I came three times. I'm doing good. I, it's better than him. He came no times. Or her, she only came once. She only comes on Easter. It doesn't matter what other people do. What I'm trying to encourage you in, and it's not about being in church, and it's not about me, us taking up offerings. I'm talking about us walking a journey. And this, this, this is a, a journey of stuff. So I want to encourage you, stay connected. 
revisit the messages, listen to the messages, go, if, go over them again if you need to a couple times, make a priority of some of these things and watch what God does in your heart. Watch what God does in your marriage. Watch what God does in your relationships. Watch what God does through you, not just to you, through you for other people. Because he has a journey of discipleship in mind for you. Amen. Amen. So that's a, that's a, sort, of, a sort of a little important overview. So when, I, you know, a couple weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, I, I gave, gave you a message called The Mystery. Right? Do you remember the mystery? I spent a couple of weeks on the mystery. And I spoke about the mystery of, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking, and he talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and, and what, when I studied, and, and I've listened, and I've read, and I started unpacking, I took my Englishman's concordance, and I, and, I, and I listed out the word mysterion, which is fascinating. The word mystery is an interesting word in Greek. It's mysterion. It, it, is, it is, I found out that there's a bunch of mysteries revealed in the, in the New Testament or spoken about in the New Testament. There's not just one mystery. The mystery that Christ in you, the hope of glory, that is one of the mystery. Do you know that the Bible talks about the mystery of godliness? It talks about the mystery of Christ. It talks about um, uh, the one that you know, the mystery of Christ in you. It talks about the mystery of lawlessness. It talks about, it, there's, there's about seven, eight, or nine or so mysteries that it talks about. And, and, and so one of, these, one of these mysteries I want to, I want to unpack here uh, this morning, but my title this morning is, is, is called Manifest. And the reason why is we're going it, it, to, we'll, we'll start with uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 16. I'm reading out the ESV version, 1 Timothy 3, 16. Great indeed, Paul writes here, to Timothy, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. So I'm going to go back there. He says, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery, the mystery of godliness. Like, so I was like, I was fascinated. Okay, mystery. I want to, I want to unpack why, why is this a mystery? What is it? What is it? Because some of the words, some translations use the word secret. You know, it's, God is not trying to keep secrets from us. And this is why. I, but there are things that are apparent secrets. There are things that are apparent mysteries. And, and I think you'll see why. First Timothy 3, I'm going to read the same passage out of the Amplified Classic. Um, and he says, listen, um, and great and important and weighty, great and important and weighty, we confess is the hidden truth, say hidden truth, the mystic secret, ooh, mystic, mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world and taken up in glory. The mystic secret of godliness, the hidden truth. Again, do you think God is trying to hide things from us? No. No. He is wanting the whole world to be saved. It's undoubtedly. We know this. God wants every man to be saved. So um, I'm just here. It, it's going to, I want to find my, um, my breakdown. Why did I lose it? Excuse me. 
Will I just just find this? Um, mystery. I'm going to pull it up. Okay. I'm going to pull it up here, over here. The mysteries. Okay, so the word mystery, as I said, is mysterion, and I'm going to read how, how it translates it over here. It's, um, it's to shut the mouth. It's a secret mystery. It's, it's the idea of silence imposed by initiation into a religious rites. Just listen to these definitions. That it's, that's out of the Strong's. The Thayer says it this way. It's a hidden thing, a secret or a mystery, not obvious to the understanding. It's a hidden purpose or counsel. It denotes mystic or a hidden sense. Then, then um, this uh, the Vines Expository Dictionary says it this way. Uh, primarily that which is known to the initiated, to initiate into the, the mystery. What you do, the more I studied the word mystery in the Greek, it's not, to, it's not to keep it hidden, but it's the idea that there are actually, um, there is a process of initiation. Did you hear the word initiation over there? Now, how many of you have heard of a secret society? You heard of a secret society? They're around today. Secret societies. You can name some of them that are registered. There are secret societies. There's even religions that present themselves in a certain way, and they, 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 they basically, that once you're initiated, there are certain stages, steps, where they initiate you into this organization, or whatever the case is, um, and the, it is unfolded in some sense as you go along. So if, if they, they make this proposal, they get people in, people are initiated into this, and then slowly by slowly, they are sort of immersed into a deeper and deeper uh, deception, if you will, if it is a, in something negative. Now, there is a mystery of lawlessness it speaks about in Second Thessalonians, and that's what it's talking about. There is an iniquity, there is a lawlessness where people can get slowly, step by step, immersed into so that is the danger, hardening the heart. You get, can get so deep into the stuff that eventually you don't even know which way is up because you are so deep into it. Now, now this word mystery has got that same connotation. It's not a secret from you, but it is, in one sense, it is a by degrees revelation. Okay? It's a, there are things that must come by degrees. And that's what it's talking about here. You see, we don't, that's why we're on a journey of discipleship is because we are in a sense are on a journey of knowing God. Do we know God as we ought to? No. But as we walk along this, uh, this journey, we will see more and more. And it's a necessary function because um, unless we receive and unhold and um, wholeheartedly accept the foundation, we won't be able to understand and take the next step. You understand? Basically, the only reason why is because we're so carnal. We're so entrapped in our carnal way of thinking. We've been so entrenched in, in the world's way of thinking that God, Jesus, I was just talking to Keith ahead of time, Jesus had to use parables and invite people in to want more. And, and Jesus did that. He couldn't, in, in, in fact, in Mark 4, as, as we were, uh, Keith and I were talking ahead of time, if you go and study Mark 4 and the parable of the sower, Jesus unpacks the parable later on, but he first tells the parable of the sower to the crowd. And then you wonder, and then, and then he, he just kind of carries on. And then there are the disciples that says, listen, what's the deal? 
what, what were you talking about? The seed on the path and the, you know, and he says this. He says, to you are given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Here's the other one. Here's the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Why? Because you see, the world, the, the greater audience that he was speaking to, they had no desire. They were like, oh, is he going to do something? Is he going to perform another miracle? Is he going to make us some more donuts? What's, what's next? You know? Um, so they were like, okay, no, no more donuts, no more flashy stuff. Let's go home and watch TV. But the other people are like, hold on. He said some stuff there about 30, 60, 100 fold. And what, what is he saying? And they stick around. They forgo, they forgo, you know, the Kardashians and the Super Bowl, and they went back to Jesus and said, hey, listen, I want to know a little bit more. What were you saying there? And Jesus says this. He says, to you, who? To the people who pressed through that are given the secrets of the kingdom of God. Is God hiding it? No. But it's, 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 you see, you have this thing called a free will. Don't you hate it? No, of course we love it because we can't, without, without a free will, we can't love. Without a free will, we can't choose to love. It's, a free will is a necessary thing. And, and so, so Jesus is, is appealing to us and he's inviting the whole world into this close relationship. You know, I am convinced, you know, you saw about the disciples and then you know the close three, right? Peter, James and John, they were the close three. I believe with all my, God didn't single, Jesus didn't single those three out and say, you guys are special. I'm going to tell you the secret thing. No, they were just hungrier than the other 12. They pushed on even closer. Whose choice? Theirs. Theirs. You see, you can get as tight with Jesus as you like. Or you can say, meh, sorry, Kardashians and the Super Bowl for me. I need to go. I've got some boating to do. Whatever. I mean, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. You get it? There's nothing wrong with movies. There's nothing, but are you getting what you want to? Or because it's your choice. The secrets of the kingdom of God are available. But you've got to go and get it. It's up to you. And they will come. But it takes, it takes an approach. It takes asking Jesus. It takes you working with the Holy Spirit. That is so much part of this. We, you have to work. We have to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because he takes the word of God and, and you, you study the word of God, Holy Spirit working with you, he, he breaks down. You pray in the spirit, that's a whole other subject for another day, that gives you revelations and all of these things that come to you. And that's another mystery. They are speaking mysteries with the spirit, it says about praying in tongues. Mysteries, there's the word again. So there's this idea, it's up to you. God is, again, I've got to say this very clearly, God is not hiding stuff from you. It's just that we have lived so much in the world's way. When I did the kingdom series, remember when I did a kingdom philosophy of life? I said, there, you have to, the kingdom, the kingdom way of living, the kingdom way of, of wisdom, God's kingdom, God's wisdom is radically different from the world's way of thinking. It's totally different. It plays the game of life by a different set of rules. But if we don't embrace the rules, if we don't say, get in the quote-unquote game, the philosophy of life, of the way of kingdom doing, we won't participate. Then basically, we're carnal Christians, and you can be carnal. It doesn't mean, let me say it very, very clearly, that God does not change His love for you one bit. 
He is love and will always love you. He loved you and I while we were still sinners. The, the goal of this has never been to be loved. You are loved. But what you embrace, what you take hold of, what you are, are going to understand and grasp is going to come by degrees, if you will. Because as you approach God and you open your heart, and, you, and that is what humility is. As you say, Lord, teach me, and you embrace that truth, and you lay hold of that truth in your heart, it's like taking a step forward. And when, you, when that settles down, I mean, how many of you have been walking with Jesus? If you've, if you've walked a while with Jesus, and it's not just time, you can, you can look at back at times of your life where you've not grown at all. And there's times that you may, have been, you, you may be aware of that you've grown exceedingly. And, and you, because you've pressed in and you've said, Lord, show me, and the Holy Spirit's shown you something, and, you, and you've embraced it, and you've taken hold of it, and then guess what? You see something else. And then you see something else. Okay, you get the idea. So back to this um, scripture that I was reading over here in um, 2 Timothy. Um, it says that, uh, sorry, 1 Timothy 3, that, that the, he talks about the mystery of godliness. And, the, and then he says, this is the mystery of godly, godliness, that he was manifested in the flesh. Now, the reason I want to call this series Manifest is because the, the, this is the understanding of the word manifest. It's a, it's a Greek word, obviously. Um, and it says to make manifest or visible or known what has been hidden or unknown to manifest, whether by words or deeds or in any other way. To make actual, visible and realized. To become known. To expose, to view. To show oneself. To appear manifestly, to declare, to be readily perceived by the senses, um, especially the sense of sight, to become clearly apparent to the sight or understanding. In other words, to become obvious. That is what the word manifest means. So Jesus, it talks about the mystery of godliness, and then it says, it says that word, he was manifested in the flesh. He was clearly made known. He revealed himself. He came to show. And, it talked, and again, I, I mean, I, could, I don't want to spend a year on the series, so forgive me for moving along a little quickly. You can listen to it by podcast, right? <laughs> okay. But, but to understand what Jesus did by manifesting himself was to make himself known. Now, this is going to all be very clear to you because um, we know these scriptures well. I'm going to read John 1. I'm just looking at the time over here. Um, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now I want to skip down um, uh, from, to verse 9. The true light, what does light bring? Light, light is obviously 
bringing light into darkness, right? The true light that gives light to every, everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed, how did they receive him? Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Now verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I'm dropping down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. The more we, un we break this down, the more revelation you're going to have of this powerful, powerful truth, okay? You see that the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, was the Word of God. Up until Jesus was born of Mary, before that time, from the world began, from the very foundations of the Word, He was called the Word. Now, when you, if any of you have been biblical students or Bible students, you may have heard there are two words for the Greek for the Word. There's logos and there is rhema. Two Greek words that we are translated in our text, in, 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 our, in our New Testament, in English, because we've just got the word word, they, the translators use the word word. So sometimes you have to dig a little bit or use your blue letter Bible, and it's a free app, whatever, to see which is which. But basically, you know, um, if you go and study what the Greek says about this, there's a profound difference, because rhema is actually any spoken word. So if you speak out a word, if you take a word and you say it, that is actually rhema. Now, some people in the past have said, well, that's a God, God, that's a God word. No, it's not. It's just a literal word that is declared. Once it leaves the heart, thoughts, and is spoken, it's a rhema. It's a declared word. Logos, however, has got to do, and even if you study, it's a, it's a powerful study, Logos, and we could spend a while on that if we wanted to, but just trying to put it in a nutshell here, Logos is the basic, the, the, the Logos of God is the logic of God. It's the way He is. It's, it's what's encapsulated in the Word. It's the, it's the reasoning and intention behind the Word. Now, that's powerful because you do realize that God doesn't speak English, right? There is no such thing as languages in heaven. He is the Word. There have been multiple languages over the years, and even English has changed in the last four, five hundred years drastically, if you go and read old Bibles. Languages, languages that we use, you see, words are, words are simply encapsulated thoughts. You think of something, typically you think of an image, and, you know, I mean, I could name up for the English word and say, okay, what comes to mind if I say ass? And you could say, you put a picture in your mind, oh, he's talking about a donkey. Some of you are thinking about something else, you know? Okay, but I'm just saying, the, the point is, the, 
the, the point is that, that it's just a word. There can be multiple meanings, right? I thank God I'm an English language, first language speaker because sometimes I think, is it lead, lead, which, which one is it? You know, you read it, you've got, it's so much to do with context, even in English, right? There, there is contextual understanding in, in, in the word, but it comes because you're trying to it, it, language words language become this thing that we that we struggle through to try and communicate what my intention is what i'm trying to deliver to you my thoughts my meaning my intention now what i actually comes out of my mouth that's the rhema but my intention that i'm trying to communicate to you can vary right but so, so that's important to, i just wanted you to see the difference between rhema and logos okay so, because there, there is some, some powerful um, things that I want to drop down to here. Colossians 1, verse 15. I know I'm jumping around there as I usually do. But Colossians 1, 15, listen to this. He, and it's talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Interesting. Not just the visible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything might be, that, sorry, in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased. <coughs> Sorry, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by his blood of his cross. Praise God. So much in that fantastic passage. Because we see very similar language, right? Were you following how close it was to John 1? In the, he created all things. He was in the beginning. Nothing was made that w has been made that hasn't been. Here it says things visible and invisible were created by him, right? But then it goes, I'm going back to verse 15. It says that he is the image. That word is icon. You've heard of an icon, but in Greek it's literally the word icon. It, it, it is the semblance. This is the word in Greek. It says a statue, a profile, a representation, a resemblance, a likeness, an image. It is the image. So that's good. Now, now we go back to Jesus. I want you to, in your mind's eye to think of what Jesus looks like, okay? Now, I said that Jesus looks like. We see stained glass windows and we see the scrawny Jesus having a, a lamb under his shoulder, right, with the white thing and the glowy, the glowy thing behind his head. You know, whatever. So... so but, but listen to this. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You see, he, he never came to show what God physically looks like because God doesn't have a physical look. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You see, it says even in other places that Jesus wasn't particularly handsome. He didn't have the looks. Nothing was drawn to him. He says nothing that made you physically attracted to him. 
it wasn't about it wasn't about his external appearance but he is the icon he is the appearance he is the likeness of God so evidently from that it's saying it's not talking about the physical likeness oh now I know what God looks like he came to show what the logos of God looks like the thoughts the intention the depth the meaning he is the revelation in fact now um, a similar passage uses a different word but let's go back up to Hebrews chapter 1 um, long ago verse 1 long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets Okay, you know that. The law and the prophets. That's how God revealed it in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. It's absolutely rich. He says, now, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, our ancestors, by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. There we go again. He is part of the Godhead. He created the world right there. Then listen to this. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Those words we could unpack with over a couple Sundays. He is the outshining of the view and opinion of God that is reality. Glory isn't just shininess. I can use a flashlight for that or a strobe light or a laser. He isn't, it's, not, it's, it's the glory of God. Go and unpack that word. It's the view, it's God's view and opinion, which is the reality. So, but he is the radiance of the glory of God. When, when Moses asked to see the glory of God, remember, we've looked at that before. What did God show him? His goodness. The backside of God was his goodness. When Moses asked in Exodus 33, he said, just show me your glory. And he says, I can't show you and you live in your physical. He says, but I will let you see his back parts. And he said, I will show you. He saw his goodness. You see, it's, it, it, goodness is a manifestation of the glory of God. Stick with me because this is a foundation for where we're going, okay? Follow this. This thing can totally radically transform your life. So, so listen, he is the radiance of the glory of God. And then it says this, the exact imprint of his nature different translations say it this way he is the radiance and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power here we go with the word word again okay and we're going to hear that a lot because this is talking about the word manifest the manifest word okay but let's go let's see the exact imprint, now that word, that the Greek word that we see that they've translated in the ESV as exact imprint, is the word character. Character. Properly the instrument used in engraving or carving. <coughs> A mark that is stamped. An exact copy. An engraving. <coughs> Excuse me. An exact copy. He is an exact copy. Exact imprint of what? He's outside? No. The nature of God. Hypostasis, the foundation. I looked up that word. It's the foundation. It's the substructure. It's who God is. The character and nature of God. Okay. So I know I'm laying it on thick, but I want you to stick with me. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth came to manifest 
to make known, to be clearly seen, the very character and nature of God. The very logos of God. Because now I tell you, with that alone, you will ne- if, you, if you sink your spiritual teeth, the understanding of your heart around that truth, you can go and reread Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and show and say, Holy Spirit, show me the Father. That's why when Philip said, show us the Father, and Jesus said, hey, Philip, where you been? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to show him the Father. Now, don't take, that, don't take what I'm saying and say, oh, I've heard that before. I don't care if you've heard it before. It's not, it's not what you've heard. Realize the truth of what's happening here. Whenever you see Jesus, it's not just what Jesus said. It's how Jesus acted in every situation recorded. Yes, what he said, his rhemas, in other words. Yes, it's what he, what he said, but it's also how he acted. How, he de- how did he deal with the sinners? How did he deal with the tax collectors? How did he deal with, you know, wh- whichever person you want to pick up, the religious people? How did he deal with the woman caught in the act, you know, of adultery? Wow, so she was caught in the act of adultery and God revealed us his nature towards her. God, exact character and nature towards her was not to strike her with a bolt of lightning. You think about how many times God mad, how many times do you see Jesus getting mad at sinners? I mean, think about it. Go, go through all the Gospels in your mind. How many times did Jesus get mad at the sinners? How many times did he get mad at the religious people? Go and reread Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see the character and intention and motivation of who God is. Because he is the express image. He came to show us. When people have said that for years, I mean, I remember being a young Christian, people said, well, if we could just see God, then people would believe in it. It's like, no, we have. We have a very clear picture of God. In fact, God gave us so many clear pictures of it, he recorded it by different people. Not only the 12 apostles, and they each gave their version of it, which is excellent because they have slightly human, different paradigms like us all. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Different perspectives on this Jesus. Paul, Paul had a first-hand description of Jesus. John had an incredible revelation of God. Incredible. You listen, read his epistles, you read his gospel, you go and read the book of Revelation. When Jesus decides to write seven letters to the church through him, through a, a revelation, I mean, those are powerful. I want to get to those one day so we can unpack those because there's it's such an incredible, powerful revelation. I mean, it's exciting what God is, and it's all good news, by the way. None of it is bad. None of it is bad. I know what you've heard, believe me, but it's not as, yeah. 
Anyhow, but we've got to take one step at a time. As I was, I was thinking about this, you know, so much theology, and, and I want to wrap it up here because we can carry on. So much theology is bad because we don't understand this. Um, you, how many of you, I mean, I was in school back in the day. Many of you were back there too. When you had to do a project for school on your cardboard, you know, you didn't have a printer. Pfft, printer. What's a printer? In fact, when they had to do our tests, we had to go to the Ronio machine. How many of you have even heard of a Ronio machine? Well, I don't know what they called it in America. It was a big, it had a big wax thing that the teacher had to write out, scratch out all the things on, and then they would put it in the thing and then add ink, and then you would roll it, and it, it would push out all the papers, and then those were the, that, that's what it is. They were like photocopiers were around, but they were expensive. And, you know, you, they, they came on loaded. But you know what I mean? There was, there was, there was this, they, it, it way, <laughs> way back in the day when you did a project I was trying to get to, you had to go and buy stencils if you wanted to look something to make a nice title. Or you, wanted, you would get sten- a little plastic stencil. Remember? That's got all the letters in it. And you'd color in all the letters and you'd use a stencil. Oh, my gosh, now it looks sharp. I mean, I'm using my Sharpie or my pencil. I've got it done. You see, Jesus is basically the stencil to see God through. He's a filter to see through God through. If your theology, no matter where you were born or where you grew up and what religion you came from or didn't come from or how you were, whatever, whatever, if you have a stencil to hold up, like say, say I had a big old stencil and I had the letter J over here, or it's A, for example, and I, I, could, I could see, I could hold it up to the image I've been given of God, and if it fit the image, then I would know. But if it didn't fit the image, I would just have to ignore the other piece. I wouldn't ignore everything. I would just take it. Jesus is kind of like that. You can, you've got to see, you've got to see things through the stencil or through the filter of Jesus' life and character. Because the rest is irrelevant. The rest that you have been taught that doesn't fit the image of God is dangerous often. Okay? Because he is the express image. The express image of God. His passion, his power, his love, his kindness. When we match that up, we see God. We see God's inner nature. We see what he wants to do. So, Where I want to go with this as we close is this. We, for years, uh, now you, many of you, I don't know how many of you have a paper Bible. You, if you have a Bible, please bring it to church. I encourage you. If you have a digital version, I carry digital on my phone. I like digital. I've converted from paper to digital, and I had to trust God for the grace to do that. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Whatever your Bible is, please bring it. Because your Bible, now I, I want you to, to understand this about the Bible. And I'm going to make a statement that's going to sound very contradictory and you may want to crucify me and that's okay or whatever. But listen to what I'm saying, please. The word Bible is not in the Bible. Just so you know. Okay. For one. Two. How many of you have heard this statement your whole life? Don't have to raise your hand. The Bible is the word of God. No, it's not. It's a combination of 66 books. And it has the Word of God in it, but it is not the Word of God. 
There are covenants, there are the law, there's the prophets, there's the writings from, from um, our, our new, the New Testament um, authors, our, our, the disciples, the apostles, etc., etc. There's a couple of other writers, there's David, etc., etc. There's lots of authors, but some of the, you, and, and I'm going to throw a cat amongst the pigeon just to keep you happy with me, or not. But, but you know, there, do you know that there's historical books in the Bible? You, you know, some people, you know, will do that thing where they basically want to do, I don't know, Ouija, Ouija board Bible stuff, where they want to flip open the Bible and stab it and say, oh, that's what God's saying to me. Ooh, baby. You want to screw your life. I'm sorry. You want, to, you want to mess your life up royally. You just need to start playing Ouija board Bible. Because that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. There is historical books in the Bible where it is accurately written by good men as they led by the Spirit of God exactly what historically is accounted. That doesn't make it truth. When it says somebody hated God, it doesn't make it truth. When, it's, when it writes something, it's what they historically thought. It's how they historically spoke. It's how they historically... Most people don't even understand the difference between a book of history or when there is a prophecy or when it's how to recognize the Word of God, old and new. Do you want to know how much bad theology comes out the book of Job? Man, we have a song, and I like the song. He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. It's a bunch of baloney. Oh, Shannon, I can't believe you said that. You know that the book of Job is a historical book. You can read what happened in the beginning. And then, you know what's so funny? Everybody who quotes and gets messed up by the book of Job, they don't wait until God starts talking. They quote from Job, and he's very, which he repented of in the end. He said, oh, God, I spoke about what I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now I've seen you. Now I know you. Nobody goes to that part of the book. Nobody pulls out when God starts talking and, and gets really sarcastic with Job. And he says, no, 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 no. Now you and me are going to get together. We're going to talk this thing through. And he's like, oh, no, God, I'm sorry. No, he says, no, uh, 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 uh. You and me are going to have it out. We're going to talk. And then he starts straightening Job out. Why don't the theologians quote from God starts talking? Why do they have to quote from the friends that are giving him bad advice? Why do they go to Job, who is, doesn't even know which, who to blame? He's struggling. Because it's a book of history. It's how those guys, what they actually said to Job, how Job was. It was a real account. Even the book of Psalms. It's got prophetic Psalms in it. It's got real accounts. David says, break their teeth, smash them. I want to... It's like, you want to quote those? Oh, yeah, David said that. It was a Psalm. That's not the character and nature of God. You see, you've got to be real careful how you interpret the Bible. If you want to know God, there's a real easy way. There are some fixed points on how to interpret who God is, what the Logos is. Ways to discern this. Otherwise, we end up with a bunch of confused people who don't know what really is and what really isn't and don't know, can't get it to work in their lives. Because they flip through testament, history books, prophets, New Testament, 
they get quoted this scripture, this scripture, they don't know which way is up. And they're like, I don't know. I just, best I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But you should. You don't have to be kept in the dark. It's not difficult. Jesus specialized in the simple. He made it. He said, he said this gospel is for children. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. It's not complex. God wants to reveal and make manifest the word, his word, his logos to us. And if we receive his logos and his rhema, when we receive his, his logos and his rhema, it will radically transform our life. Why? Because his word doesn't return void. His word is eternally settled in heaven. Eternally settled in heaven. And we'll, we'll carry this on next week. But I, I have probably given you more than you can chew on for a little while. But, but, but I, I, I pray. In fact, let's just close our eyes. Father, thank you for your help. Holy Spirit, thank you. We just yield to what you're saying. Not what Shannon is saying. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you take the foolishness of what is coming out of my mouth and, and those that have ears to hear what you're saying can hear what you're saying. Because we want to know you, the Word of God, the exact imprint, the image. We want to know you for who you are. And Lord, we, we choose right now, we choose right now not to be led astray, we choose to keep our hearts teachable and trainable. We choose to see truth. We choose to respond to light. Even if it counters, even if it counters every religious bit I've ever heard, I choose to listen to what you say. I choose to hear what you say, Lord. If that's your prayer today, let the Holy Spirit work that decision in your you right now make a choice in your heart right now for you God knows you and let me tell you he loves you without condition he loved you while you were still a sinner he has never never counted your sins against you according according to 2nd Corinthians 5 19 and other places if that is a doubt to you, you don't know that God loves you, I want to encourage you to listen to last week's message. Watch it online. But if you do not know Jesus, if you're watching by way of TV or, or uh, on, on your Roku device or whatever way you're watching, and you do not know Jesus with a heart that responds to Him, it's not a magic formula, it's not a magic prayer. You just cry out to God with your heart and you say, Lord, I want to know you for who you are you are the creator of heaven and earth I choose to believe you I choose to receive you I tell you whatever words you use to that day, you just respond to his love open up your heart to him and he will meet you where you're at and he will meet you where you're at call us on our text in church number if you're online or if you're here we have awesome prayer ministers if that's a prayer of your heart, then please speak to one of our prayer ministers. If you do not 
if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe everybody born again has the Holy Spirit, but if you don't, if you don't have an experience with the Holy Spirit, and, and it is described as a, as a separate experience in the, in the New Testament, respond, receive the Holy Spirit. We'd love to take, we've got books here that we'd love to give you. We have ministers here that would love to minister the Holy Spirit to you and talk to you about that. And maybe you don't know much about that, but that's okay. We can send you a book. We can pray for you. Amen. So don't leave here or without making that decision. I know a bunch of you were prayed for earlier. Um, a bunch of you were prayed for, but if you feel, feel like you still had something, maybe, maybe there's that word, if, there's a depra- if you have feel- feelings or emotional issues and you feel like you would just like to pray with Keith and Sue or, or Pastor Earl and Ms. Joel here, please just come up and let them minister to you. Amen.